What up, man? And what up? What up? What's up? Look at this sporty outfit. It's my it's my podcasting outfit. Do you just yeah. are you just kind of wearing this thing around wearing this thing around all the time now? What are you talking about? It's it's normal podcasting attire. <laughs> I can't. T- I need to know. Is that like a full on swimsuit thing or just like a cool biker shirt? Oh, first describe to the listeners what you're seeing. Well, I'm only getting I'm getting chest uh, nipples up, if you will, and it is a sleeveless, toy, toy uh, athletic, some type of uh, clothing. You've, it's obviously zips up. I'm guessing it's your it's your triathlon outfit. And then you've got some cool black sunglasses, AirPods, looks like a runner's hat. That oh, it's got shorts attached. It's your that's your whole thing. That's your whole getup. Why are you wearing that right now? Did you just finish working out? Well. Are you short on laundry? <laughs> if you're not going to buy the story that this is just what I wear to podcast, I, uh, I'm not because I've podcasted with you 60 some odd times and never once <laughs> have I seen you, seen you in this. About 90 minutes ago, I got home from an open water swim and, and just uh, made dinner and then ate dinner and cleaned up from dinner. And now I'm here. I was just wearing yeah. a t-shirt over it, but I thought, what a fun way to kick off the podcast. We're giving Max a nice little treat, a little, little yeah. show of my tight, tight tight clothes in my um, body that is not as tight. Making me, making me very uncomfortable. Um, do you feel like it makes you faster? It holds me together a little bit more. It makes <laughs> it's a little more good. aerodynamic. Kind of like a full body Spanx. Yeah. Did you find parts of you falling out before when you didn't have something to hold you in? I mean, I don't know if <laughs> Falling out may not be the correct uh, verb, but there was movement, perhaps. Yeah. This keeps the movement away? Eh, lessens it. And if, if you got a full pretty trimmed beard going, you've really gone full aerodynamic. For this, yeah, uh, you're in full training mode, so now here you are, slicked uh-huh. up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not fully slicked um, up. There's still a lot of hair all over you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've got like a, a decent kind of like... <laughs> Couple of day, couple of day growth going on here. I smell like a lake right now. Nice, man. I'm glad I can't last smell you. Time, the last time I swam in this lake, I'm pretty sure it gave me a day of diarrhea. <laughs> okay, good. So the current, the current experiment, the current kind of um, results that we're looking for is see how I feel tomorrow. Do you think you're a, maybe that you swallow less water now than you did last time you swam in it because you're a better swimmer? Was that part of <laughs> That was like two weeks ago. So oh, okay. I don't know that I'm a noticeably better swimmer than two weeks ago. Didn't realize it was so so recent. Well, yeah. um, I guess let's podcast with some speed. Uh, I mean, right now I feel all right. <laughs> yeah. I think I probably, if we were podcasting tomorrow morning, there might be some concerns. Okay. Well, I'm glad we're catching you at a good time. Post, post lake swim. What lake is this? This isn't a, not a glowing endorsement. Some, no, some some like little neighborhood lake, not that far away from me, like twenty minutes away, fifteen minutes away. Lake, uh, gotcha. The B, bar, 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 something. Bar, bar, something. All right. Yeah. 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 Don't go there, anyone. Apparently. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not definitive that the lake gave me the diarrhea. I just had mm. the diarrhea after, after swimming but it could have been something else that i ate i did eat a pizza with a bunch of peppers on it i'm pretty sure peppers messed me up yeah i mean pizza That's why and we're doing cheese the experiment of this time when would you eat this time well this time i mean what I, uh, just normal stuff 
Oh, ravioli. I had ravioli (laughs) and some salad and some spinach. Okay. That's pretty normal. None of that messes me up usually. So if I have the Rhea, it's because of the lake. We got to stop talking about poop, Max. Sip, I... We got to stop. We is a... (laughs) You're here. I don't think this is my fault at all. I asked you about your outfit, and this is where we've gotten to. You didn't have to share any of that information with me. You, uh, oh, the dog's going to start rolling around and barking. I can see it in his eyes. Um, okay, well, I'm glad we got the poop talk out of the way. You know we what can edit that people out. say about, no, absolutely not. Uh, what people say about, you know, listening to a podcast, like it feels like a very intimate, like you get to know the, the host. Anybody who has made it to episode 60, whatever the hell we're on right now, I feel mm. like is close enough to be subjected to descriptions of my body in a tri suit and also poop. Yeah. That's because you know they're all family, Sam. And our, our listeners, we're all family because we're literally all family. <laughs> <That is true>. uh, <laughs> you're family when you listen to this you podcast. To, because literally statistically you're, <laughs> you're related to us. Um well didn't you know we haven't done it. Didn't you didn't you say uh what your girlfriend's brother listened to the podcast and he was yeah. really really enjoying it? Yeah, he said nice things about us. I think his, uh, I should look it up. His direct quote, I believe, was something along the line, along lines of, everyone should be listening to this. So, it should be. Uh, he's, he's now the captain of our street team. <laughs> well, he's a perfect person to have on it because he uh, works on political campaigns. That is what he yeah, does. Yo, so, let's get him out there door to door. Let's make some flyers. Yeah. Have you we'll heard get a good word? <laughs> It's intermittent good word. It comes out <laughs> when it does. Yeah. You never know when it's coming. But if it does, yeah. it's exciting. Yeah, I was thinking it's been so long since we've recorded that I don't know that we can do our normal just like what's new since we last talked because yeah. that's just so, so much, so much stuff. What do you propose we do instead? I mean, we could do some highlights. We could do some overviews. I will say the part we've missed um, on the farming side of things is what you would go ahead and call the peak season. Um, you know, we haven't talked since the end of June. I thought, and I thought it was pronounced picking, like the picking season. Why you say it weird? The worst. Northern, my northern accent. My peak season. So, yeah, there's a lot of things that have happened, you know, with – I don't have a, a specific itinerary of what we could cover. I've, have there been exciting things you feel like you could cover vis-a-vis work and or life? Or do you want right. to? Let's hit. Well, yeah, let's. Yeah, let's hit some. Hit some highlights. Um, I'll help guide you through it. We'll do you first. Okay. Question number one: Have yeah. you seen any interesting beasts? Any interesting beasts? Yeah, we got an interesting. Okay. It's not like the most groundbreaking farm beast, but a like groundbreaking two months farm beast would be a mole or a groundhog. Um, God, this is tough to do this podcast <laughs> with you. Catching you in rare form tonight. Um, a couple months ago, we noticed a uh, it was like a red-tailed hawk that seemed like it was the same one kind of hanging around. Yeah. Good size, probably like, you know, 18 inches to two feet tall. Big boy or girl. We'd have no clue. Big fella. Big, 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 big bird. Big birdo. And it was sitting on our tomato trellis, kind of always just watching. And we we're like, oh, this, this hawk seems to hang around. And since then has become a full-on personality on the farm. It Really? It definitely is. It's definitely pretty young. It's definitely like a juvenile. You know, he's still got some real fluffy oh. feathers and is not scared of people at all. I mean, I can walk right up to it. I can get within like probably three to four feet of this bird. It's on the farm's Instagram. You'll see it. it's pretty crazy. 
I have not yet tried to falconry landed on my, on my arm, but it's getting like, first off, you can always, it's like a seeing eye puzzle or something like you can always where's Waldo, the, the, the hawk, because if you're out there in the fields and you look around long enough, you'll see it perched on something and watching just the farm happen. Like it sits on top of the compost pile. It sits on top of some of the fencing. Like, have you seen him hunt anything? Yeah, so it's gotten like it realizes now when we pull tarps off the field, you know, the big black tarps for killing weeds and stuff. Um, you know, all types of critters are under there. You saw in Tennessee and things, there's like snakes and whatnot. But I here, saw a rat that one time, remember? You, you did. And I think that was in Massachusetts. Where was that? Yeah, was that in was Tennessee? In yeah. No. You saw that big old rat. Um, well, it has learned also that like, hey, there's goodies under that tarp. And so we pulled the tarp off last week and like we're in the process of folding it probably 50 feet away. And it swooped so casually to the point where we thought it just landed in the field and like landed on the field. And we saw it just chilling there. We thought it was just kind of looking for something. Well, when we walked over there closer, it was just tearing apart a mouse that had caught or a vole or you know, something. Yeah. And so now when we take tarps off the field, it's usually always watching us. I mean, that day we pulled, awesome. s- we pulled six tarps off and it followed us field to field. Like like ate something at the first one, watched us do the second one, like was just waiting for, uh, for something. So there's definitely it's definitely doing a good job killing uh, some rodents on the farm, which is cool. It's definitely just like yeah, and you know it's got the red-tailed hawk has the great screech that they use in movies all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can just like you'll like hear it and you'll look up and see it flying on the farm. So it's become our cool farm beast. Did you um, know that bald eagles sound not cool at all? Yeah, that's why they use the red tail. They, they had to steal a red-tailed hawk sound. I know they sound good. That's cool. Have uh, you all named this hawk, or do you just call him Hawk? We do just call call him Hawk. Currently, we haven't. There was some. There was a naming session going on that I think no consensus was was reached, and I mm-hmm. can't even think of what some of the possibilities were. We were trying to choose, like you know, we, don't, we didn't know boy or girl. We were trying to choose a nice yeah. gender neutral name. Um, uh, do you want to do a quick little brainstorm? <laughs> you can try. You're gonna try and make jokes. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just good at coming up with names. Yeah, remember this podcast? Call, it only took us a little while. Call him. Call him Red. Call him Red. We actually we can't we can't we already have a farm dog named Red currently. Oh, uh, send, it would be confusing. I'll send you a picture of Red. Sometimes Red is the most uh, cartoony looking dog you've ever seen in your life. One ear is always up, one is always down. His eyes aren't fully looking straight. <laughs> you also couldn't do Red because Emily and I, um, well, mostly me, have started watching YouTube videos of people trail uh, through hiking, and apparently mm. you can you get a trail name. And uh, Emily and I decided that our trail names, if we ever did any through hiking, was is going to be Tubby and Red. Uh, Tubby and Red. Yeah, it has a nice <laughs> ring to it. She's red because she always talking about how she has kind of red in her hair, but she really doesn't. But we got to tell her that she does. Um, and then it's just kind of funny for me to be called Tubby. You know, here's the thing about trail names: you're going to hate to hear this. You don't get to give them to yourself. Yeah, you know that, like right? Connected. It has to be kind of like connected to something or people usually have to give it to you. People have to be like, you know, there's usually a reason. I mean, pick somebody up. would look at me and call me Tubby probably. So <laughs> <laughs> you're going to take an insult and make a new trail name. I mean, yeah, yeah, I guess you could you could bait somebody into calling you a mean nickname and be like, perfect. You got what you okay. wanted. All right. Well, Max, you just set yourself up for this. What trail name would you give me? What? Uh, shoot. Tubby? Probably. <laughs> Screw you, man. <laughs> Listen, I can um, just tell us what you're looking for. How about um, what was the? Do you ever read the Over the Mountain books? What was that book called? Like 
My side of the mountain. My that side one? of the mountain. Wasn't there a hawk in that? It's an owl. What? Isn't, isn't there an owl in that? No? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I don't you know you just said that like owls and hawks weren't close enough related for that to be true. <laughs> what about Horatio? To Horatio. Horatio. It's kind of a mouthful. Yeah. Um, by the way, I think you're right. I, I think I called it an owl and a uh, quick, quick search says that, that looks a bit more like a hawk. So I guess we just Ham- do some research. Hampton. Hampton. <laughs> the hawk. Fancy, fancy hawk. <laughs> I see you're Has- stuck in a rut here of H's. <laughs> Prognan. 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 Yeah, that's something. I'll bring that one to the farm tomorrow and see if people yeah. feel how how, how Prognan yeah. sounds to them. If you want to just kind of Skype me in, zoom me into your farm meetings, we can yeah. lead a brainstorm with everyone. I'll bring people it do always done so far. Yeah, definitely want you to sleep on it at least. People do always ask me, you know, Max, what is it that Sam does? You know, what kind of work does he do? I say he's a consultant. I said this will be a good chance for you to really come in and see what your consulting. Uh, <laughs> prowess really is when you come in to help name our hawk don't they all listen to this podcast what the hell you'd think you think i'd have 20 easy listeners like tell them to start at the beginning and then they probably will still have no idea what i do yeah i would say start at the beginning and maybe hear us get better at this but i have no idea i haven't gone back why would i do that i don't want to hear what i sounded like five years ago four years ago whatever it was we probably sounded so earnest remember when we used to like plan out episodes Oh yeah, I just opened that notes document before we started this thinking yeah, I was we haven't touched notes in weeks. There. We haven't touched it in yeah. episodes. I was say weeks. Oh, well, weeks wouldn't even be the right amount of time. Months is <laughs> where it was last used. Um, now. Okay, we haven't actually even talked at all about farming stuff. All we've talked about so far is your hawk, which is cool. He's which is out. farming. Is there anything else about the hawk worth sharing? Uh, that you were going to share? Like you see any snakes? Yeah, we've seen boxes. Boxes. We got we got now no foxes. We're lousy with garter snakes. Lousy with baby rabbits, man. Let me tell you what I stumbled there upon one in the in the in the the kale and chard recently. I was picking in there and it was hiding under a little leaf of kale. It was the cutest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, the farmer in me probably should have done something about it. You know, but I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't. I had a little. I had a little kale leaf house. That's so very, that's very cute. Um, I saw a fox hunt with people on horses and a horn the other day. That's not real. <laughs> no one fox hunt. What? Where at? In your current state? Yeah, no, in Maryland. We were on a long bike ride, kind of out in the boonies, and there were people on horses, and okay. like they were all kind of dressed up like fox hunters. And I wouldn't I even heard, begin to know what that means. What does that mean to be were, dressed up like a fox? I don't hunter? know, like a like an English dandy. Okay, or maybe yeah. that's just how he may, they may, they could have just been wearing equestrian sort of clothes. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's the same. Horses. But there, was, I, I, there was a bit of a uniform going on, and there mm-hmm. was a, a and I heard a guy blow into a horn, and there were dogs. Like a bugle. There were dogs. Like a bugle. Yeah. No, not like a bugle. Like a, like the horn of Gondor. No. What? You stumbled onto a movie set. <laughs> I, I know. So I didn't actually see any foxes, but supposedly that's what they were doing. Wow. Did you, could you infer that from all the context clues or did you go home and do a Google or did some guy yell out to you? We're doing a fox hunt. (laughs) I inferred it from the, the horn and the dogs is what made it feel like a very medieval sort of hunting party. And then apparently one of the guys that I was riding uh, bikes with, he has a coworker who like participates in fox hunting sort of things. Like grew up as a horse rider, equestrian person. And apparently it's just like very much like a, social activity 
I don't know how yeah. much murdering of foxes actually gets done. That's the craziest thing ever. That yeah. sounds, uh, yeah, it sounds like as crazy as the time that I went to a polo match and just, I didn't think, you know, I feel like kind of felt like polo yeah. wasn't a real thing, but no. Yeah. Horse based activities, man, they're crazy. Dude, horse based activities make me so nervous. Yeah, because horses make me nervous. Because horses have tiny little legs and they could snap at any moment. And if it does, well, we have. <laughs> that's that's your fear. I guess I've never really thought about it that way. I always think of my own well being and safety. And the few times I've, the one time I've ridden a horse, and uh, I just kind of felt like you know you weren't the true, yeah, zero percent control. Uh, that horse could do whatever it wanted, and I'm sure it's slightly different between me riding a horse bet, on a trail. I bet you the horse could sense that too. Yeah, the horse oh for no sure. Respect for you. <laughs> Not even a little bit. Um, so the idea of playing a sport on top of a horse seems crazy to me. But yeah. that's exciting. A fox hunt. Yeah. yeah. What a right, time. So tell, me, tell me about peak season. What's going on at the farm? What's what's growing? Oh, wait. So actually, I want to make a connection to one of our first episodes of this season. You've been in charge of direct seeding. So things are growing. Yes, I mean, you're actually picking them and whatnot. Yeah, they have been for for a long time. Um, how, really, mean, how relieved how relieved were you when you could see like things were actually coming up out of the ground and you didn't screw up planting, which I have to imagine is like a core skill that a farmer should probably master pretty early in their career. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think we talked about this in the early episode that I like. I kind of I think variables outside of my control kind of fudged the very first seeding of a couple beds of greens and stuff. It was like early April. And I was like, wow, I'm not cut out to be this guy because I know of this what thing. I would, have done. I would have overthought it so much that I would have like done it totally different how I normally do. And it would just be horrible because I've like tried to be like so careful and I've lost all my muscle memory and I tried to like go back <clears> over <throat> it and everything just got ruined. So you're, yeah, there's like a little bit of that. that. I mean, you know, there's a part of like uh, a typical farming mentality, which is you kind of just got to roll with like, you know, things go wrong all the time that maybe sometimes are genuinely things go wrong. Sometimes you, sometimes you direct seed for weeks and you fuck it up and no plants come out of the ground. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't that level of bad, but it sure didn't feel good. And so, yeah, there was a lot of like, you know, this is, it was a bit stressful in the beginning, but it happens. It's whatever. Uh, as the season went on, I've done Everybody kind of side eyeing you being like, this guy, this (laughs) (laughs) I can't put seeds to the ground. Right. Um, so, you know, it got better as the season went on and like, I'm very comfortable and confident with all the cedars and stuff on the farm, but I will say, I mean, we're on week 34 of the season or whatever it is. We track it, you know, every week and you know, I still, every Monday when we do our crop walk, I go and I look at the thing I seeded the week before just to see like, and every time it's a yeah. sigh of relief of like, all right, that one worked a couple <laughs> weeks ago though. We went and like, I didn't even, I don't think I followed up on the seeding. I planted a bed of radishes, a thing I plant all the time, constantly, every week we plant radishes and I planted them. There's supposed to be six rows in a bed. I use a cedar that has three rows per pass. So you only go down and back you know, twice or down and back once and planted them. They look great. They're under that cover. I wasn't really looking at them. And then I was part of the team that went to harvest them and I was picking them and I was like, something looks weird about these. And I was looking at it longer and just there were no the two middle rows were gone it was just four rows instead of six not catastrophic but everyone was like oh did you do that on purpose and i was like no i think i didn't put seed in one of the hoppers i think i pushed i think the, <laughs> like the far i think the far right one was empty and i went down and i went back and the whole middle ended up being empty and they're like oh these are great these are really, and i was like do that no that was 
one of those things where I'm sure I was like just pushing it along with an empty, you know, seed hopper. So there's been a couple minor things like that, but, um, you know, feeling pretty good about it. A lot of the fall stuff that we do is direct seeded. So like, you know, when you get like into early August, late July is when you do your huge seedings of like storage carrots, storage beets. All that means is you're not trying to like incrementally harvest them to sell them with greens on top of them at a farmer's market and look all beautiful. You like plant 12 beds of carrots and you rip them all out, break the tops off and store them. And then throughout the winter, because they store well in a cooler, you can dish them out to people. Um, so we plant a lot of different crops as like storage crops, um, which means I had a couple weeks where, you know, I was doing a lot more direct seeding than I normally would. And those are a little stressful because that idea is like, it's not like planting of radishes where they take four weeks to mature. And then like I plant a new one every week anyway, so it doesn't matter. This is one block was 14 beds of carrots, you know, tens of thousands of carrots that I'm putting into the ground and many things can go wrong um, with that. But if you have a poor germination, you have issues, you seed at too low of a rate or too high of a rate and they're way too close together, all these different things um, you can end up with either like a terrible crop, other things that go wrong, a giant storage crop that you're going to rely on for a winter CSA or a fall CSA that just like absolutely flops. Um, so that had like a little bit of pressure around it. Definitely. was a little concerned about like getting those right. Um, and give or take maybe like one, a couple minor plantings, they all went off without, without a hitch. And it's usually also a big part of it is that I'm also the irrigation person. And most of the time direct seeding germination problems come from either like lack of water or, um, or maybe being too hot or something. But usually those two things like hand in hand, like, I would do all the direct seeding with it. I'm then in charge of all the watering to make sure that direct seeding uh, actually happens, which is good to have that level of control, but also feels like a double whammy of like, <laughs> first you put them in the ground and now it's like you did that one step, but now you need to make sure for the next two weeks or so that they at least germinate. And then usually I can like breathe a sigh, like a little bit of sigh of relief and know that they're actually going to happen. Um, so we're, we're deep into all of that and, and approaching the end of seeding stuff in the field, which is crazy to think about. But one month from now, I think September 20th is our last field seeding of something. So that that's crazy to think. Sounds, the most. It sounds late to me. What do you plant that late? <laughs> that is another, like it's a lot of greens. So arugula that's and like mustard, stuff. mustard, yeah, mustard greens. They take, I mean, in peak season, they take three weeks to harvest or three weeks to be ready to harvest. Uh, that time of year, they'll be closer to four to five. So it'll be, they'll be out by, I think end of October, uh, as long as there's no major, uh, frost or anything that happens. So yeah, we're already pretty much like in the fall throes of, you know, all of that planting, um, which is crazy to think about. Yeah. What, um, what has the weather been like for you all this year? Has it been like a really hot summer, really rainy thunderstorms? I know you had a big hail thing uh, that you talked about a little while ago, which sounds like yeah. you escaped most damage on that. Um, but what else has been going on weather-wise? So we had, uh, like, I mean, we talked about the early, probably last episode or two ago, that, like, we had a really weirdly, oh, hello, cat. We had, like, a weirdly hot May, and we had a couple 90-degree days in May, which was odd, and then we went through a pretty s- intense drought through June, where, like, I think I talked about just being kind of stressed with irrigation, because everything was going in the ground, and it was 95 degrees for a couple weeks, and without rain for about three of them. Um, and then we got into July and usually when I would expect a drought or when I would expect to be like kind of in the dry times and it was very wet. Um, 
So we had you know multiple rainy days, days that felt like fall, things that were not in the 90s. Uh, there's been a lot of crazy fluctuation, which is what everyone's experiencing. And I think across the U.S. as a whole, but like not as wet as the Northeast has been, which has been historically wet this year, but pretty crazy for us. And then a couple of these like intense out of nowhere storms that, you know, we had talked about the hail and uh, it's hailed a couple times this year, but once that was massive hunks of hail and we've had some crazy winds. And just yesterday or just last night, we had hands down the craziest thunderstorm I've seen in my entire life. I mean, it rolled in at like 1am and I woke up because I thought there were flashing lights going on outside of our apartment. Like a, it was almost like a strobe light. I was describing it as the <laughs> that like light that goes off in the uh, school when the fire alarm does, you know, the white like yeah, flashing yeah. one. I woke up thinking that was going on somewhere in our building. Was really confused, and then opened the blinds uh, and realized that nope, that was lightning. It was there were flashes of lightning happening probably every second, every other second um, for hours. It went on for three hours and just rolling nonstop thunder. I'm so jealous. Um, yeah, you know, it was it was okay. Uh, it it didn't yeah, stress me out as much as it used to. You've you've lost your oh gosh, looks like you, have you checked the weather for tonight? Yes, it's happening again. <laughs> it's going to happen again. Okay, yeah, um, I, just, I just pulled it open. There's nothing happening for me, but you've got crazy cells, including a tornado cell here in the middle. Um, that's that's fun. Yeah, so things like that have been happening. Um, you know, we dealt with the wildfire smoke. Um, throughout the summer, uh, as you guys did as well. And, you know, we don't really know what the ramifications are for plants. I've heard some farmers and some research trying to happen, like on discovering what that means for different crops, you know, how does it I, yeah, affect? I heard, I heard that there are, I think there are some trees in Southeast Michigan that are turning color faster than they normally would because of the many days of blocked sunlight from the smoke. That makes sense. I feel like there's a lot of color change already happening around the farm, which is odd. And um, I was reading an article that not that this would relate to us. We don't, we're not a grape farm, but there's uh, wineries in the Pacific Northwest that have talked about and have discovered that like the grapes and the flavor of the grapes in a really smoky season take on a smoky flavor, but like not in a fun bourbon smoky barrel way. I'm going to say but in, in like a, a fun way. That'd be like the no, more like side like, of like climate change. Like at least all our wine is amazing. <laughs> it's like a, like a, almost like in a trashy taste a little bit like a cigarette or like an ashtray. Oh. Way. Um, and you never know what like part of the scale it's going to be on, but they've been talking about how, you know, those plants, they're trying to figure out what about them uh, or where it kind of comes in through the skin or what does it do? And, so, you know, I think there's probably a lot that we don't know of how it does it affect like tomatoes and peppers, these really sensitive plants. You're going to have some ashy tomatoes. I don't know. The tomatoes flavor wise have been, I don't know, whatever you want to call a tomato. They've been fine. Um, but I think there's been a little bit of like, you know, there was a lot of blossom drop and things that happened. And could that have been a variable? Hard to say. There's too many things going on. Um, one other thing I'll say is that the really, really wet July meant that the disease that moves in for these types of crops, summer crops just seemed to hit earlier. So cucumbers tanked really fast, summer squash tanked really fast, like all the things that can always get diseased and you expect it to happen. Just felt like we were on a timetable where they were happening faster. Um, so, and that's just going to happen the wetter and the fields are because of just, that's the vector of, of disease is moisture. So, um, 
that part's been a little frustrating, but it was definitely weird. I was not as hot as I would have thought July should have been. Yeah. Um, Did you all have parasitic wasps? No, no parasitic wasps that I've seen yet this season, but also no like bad hornworms either. Um, so, you know, whether that's the old chicken, the egg scenario of other previous years, they've had a good parasitic wasp population or, um, you know, there's just a low hornworm population. We actually haven't dealt with, I would say in general, that many of like pests that are bug uh, form, plenty of groundhog and rabbits doing their, their dirty work. Um, but not so much like hornworms and, and freaky worms and monsters. Um, so, but now no, no parasitic wasps. So as you get to kind of the back end of this uh, season, what are the main differences between your two years in Tennessee and the year that you're, I know you farmed in Michigan before, so it's not like this was new to you, but you know, the last two years you have been in the South. So what are the main things that have been different? I mean, a bit, I, the hardest part for me is like just separating the way that the two farms are running, which is just like, it's uh, so hard to not so have low. it be. Yeah. And I'm in a very large operation. So there's a lot that's hard to like, separate those things um in terms of like growing zone versus like what the actual atmosphere around me was like um but i will say here it's just it's being like pushed back into that tighter windows for everything i felt like i had a real big safety net down south of like you know what i missed the week on a couple of weeks on this but it's fine like you can still get them in you're like you're gonna be okay um you're gonna be able to farm know. till december it doesn't matter yeah it doesn't, you know, and, and things would go wrong and you'd be like, okay, I've got more time to plant. I will say like, I, uh, definitely felt just a, like a big relief of pressure still though here by not having to deal with like a hundred degree August. Um, and that type of weather, like just the physical demands and what it meant for like trying to plant a fall crop when it's a hundred degrees outside and fall crops like cold weather. And like you're this like weird tightrope walking you're doing when you're in Tennessee. Um, you still do that to some sense here because it's just, it's still August in Michigan, but um, it's not quite to the extreme that it was down there. And I do feel like this summer has been a little bit of a, a uh, outlier, but the disease and things felt worse in Tennessee, at least at the farm I was on. Um, and maybe it was an experience, but I was just felt like I was fighting a new thing almost weekly down there. I felt like I got my head around something and something else occurred. Um, yep. and this doesn't feel as like doom and gloom where it's like, Oh my God, beautiful field of peppers. And it's like, Oh God, all the peppers have turned to mush for some crazy reason. And like, you know, you experienced that, like you ripped all these moldy peppers out of the ground with me. And to me, they looked beautiful like two weeks before. And, um, I haven't had that here and which is a, a nice change of pace. Um, and then everything else is just steeped in the actual atmosphere of growing in a place that's like, you know, a bed is done, flipped, turned, planted again. Um, you know, like you're just really on top of everything here in a, in a way that I wasn't by myself. Um, so that, you know, I could go on forever, about just yeah, comparing those cool. two environments, but um, it's nice to be back in like a Northern climate. That's got these kind of uh, these like chill nights and feel like falls coming when I don't think I ever felt that way in Tennessee. It felt like it was always so far away. Yeah. So. All right. Cool. That's, that's the farm. I'm sure I could go on about, about other things, but we can try and keep it tight and talk 
uh, about your side of things. Hmm. Hmm. I haven't been doing anything. You haven't been doing anything. <laughs> um, I mean, shoot, I trying to remember when we last talked. There was June thirtieth was our last June thirtieth. Whoo! And there was either you were uh, shifting to a new project, or you were you were coming off a project. Yeah, New Zealand project had wrapped up. Was end of a project that I had been working on since January, yeah. roughly end of end of June. Um, then I promptly went on vacation to Cape Cod, as I normally do most summers with Emily. So I spent two weeks uh, Cape Cod. What kind of beast did you see? What kind of beast? Kind of beast did I see? Good question. No sharks, although I had my shark notification app on at all times. Uh, really nice saw, of the sharks to let you know when they're nearby. Yeah. I saw <laughs> some lobsters that I ate and some clams that I ate. You made it sound like you played any part in fishing for these. Oh, 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 something pinched my toe. Something pinched your toe. I was doing some open water swimming. And I yeah. put my foot down um, in the sand to like take a, a, a rest, and something pinched me, and I kind of screamed a little bit, and I started swimming again. <laughs> so I didn't actually see it, but something definitely pinched me. What do you think it was? What's your best guess? Crab? Little <laughs> crab claws reach up. And, I like that. I like the idea. It's like this guy's resting, and he's not going to be. He's not allowed to do this. Like, he should be swimming. Little, little coach crab. Yeah, that was yeah, your trainer sent that crab there to, to keep an eye on you. Pinch your little toes. Well, that's terrifying. Honestly, I don't think I would have handled it well. And it doesn't sound like you did either. No. I mean, every time I like put my foot down in the ocean, I do imagine getting pinched by something, but it's only happened the one time. But now that it yeah. has happened, I'm going to think it's going to happen every time. Well, you never want your foot to touch anything when you're in the ocean. I can't imagine a scenario where you're like, oh, yeah, I'm glad I touched that with my foot. Yeah. I mean, point. like anything you touch is going to be a scary scenario. Yeah. So that I only we'll did the swimming the one time. Uh, I probably should have done more. I kept getting scared by my shadow. I was I was oh, really yeah. pretty uh, pretty shallow. Like I could I could stand up at any point. It was like five feet deep, maybe four feet deep. Yeah. But the sun would would was like behind me, and my own shadow was kind of out in front of me. And I kept nice. thinking it was some sort of large fish. Yeah, you my have a shark. Yeah, like immediately spike. Like oh my god. Like oh no, it's just my shadow. So it's, uh, that, that kind of describes the, the quality of swimmer that I am. <laughs> gotta have, I've always thought you had a, a shark like silhouette. So it makes yeah, sense. I always thought so. <laughs> um, so it's really, really, uh, starting to bite me in the butt. Um, Cape Cod is great. Went for a little bunch of long bike rides, rented a bike while I was there. Um, there's a big rail trail that I rode a bunch of times. Did some, actually I didn't run at all because I've been r- struggling at the time with a hip injury. Um, like a strained hip flexor or something. So I actually took like almost all of July off from running. Um, and I've been going to for that. Yeah. yeah Same. Yeah. yeah. Out of solidarity. I, I knew you were going through something, so I yeah. didn't, I didn't run either. I appreciate that. I think it really yeah. helped. Yeah. I thought so. I thought you could, I thought you could use that kind of support from far away. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes it sound like it healed. You're back on it. You're back and running. It actually, yeah, it hasn't really been hurting me at, at all. I think it was a function primarily I mean, other than being kind of old, fat, and slow, uh, my shoes were ready to be replaced. 
basically <laughs> when I started noticing that my hip was hurting, like a week later, I got a notification from Strava that I had put like 250 miles on my shoes and it was time to replace them. And I think that correlation makes a lot of sense. So I replaced my shoes. I started doing some hip specific uh, rehab and it's not bothering me at all right now. Nice. Oh, Good. I, I was you're... supposed to do a race in July and I skipped it because okay. of my hip. I didn't want to like risk getting hurt more because I tried to do this thing in Michigan in a couple of weeks. So yeah, speaking of that, how you feeling? Feeling feeling stoked? Feeling ready? Uh, yeah, Even though you missed a mace? Part, for the most part. Um, the swim today was it started horrible. And then it ended. Really too many deep. shadows. Too many shadows. <laughs> no, swim too deep for shadows to be a thing here. But just yeah. we do this like 500 meter lap a bunch like three times, and my first lap I was like, it's like I've never swam before. My heart rate <laughs> is through the roof. I can't breathe. I hate this. I can't believe I have to do this for another like 30 minutes. There's no way. So I finished the first lap, kind of got myself together, and the laps two and three were a piece of cake. I felt smooth. I felt sleek. I was like a dolphin. Yeah. Uh, so I, and, which is funny because that in exactly mirrors how my last race went. First third of the swim was horrible. I ended up hanging off a kayak because I was dying. And then the second third was okay. And the third third was really quite good. So I need <laughs> to figure out how to get that first 500 meters not to be terrible. And the answer is partially like warm up good, you idiot. You're old. Yeah. Like you need to warm up. Make the first 500 meters your warm up, and then you'll get the crap out of your system and actually be able to swim normal. So that's yeah. the goal, at least. I feel like we've talked about this. I maybe I think it came from a, a triathlon, and maybe the one that you're talking about. But you said you've always felt a little bit that way in general with like athletic things, where there's like this early on period where you feel like it's always bad <laughs> that it gets better. I very much. I mean, in the last couple of years of of doing this. I have definitely learned, and I don't know if this is an age thing or if I've always been this way, that the first 15, 20 minutes of any workout is horrible. And after that, I generally feel quite good if I'm not like injured or super tired. So it's just a matter of getting through that first 15 to 20 minutes, which is fine when you're running or biking. You can just feel bad. But if you feel bad when you swim – you're on the risk of, of drowning. So <laughs> yeah. that's that, and then you get in your own head. And once you get in your own head and that's bad, it's like, it's very much a mental psychological sort of thing. Yeah. So, so you, so you should swim, you should practice swim before your race. What you're saying? I, I should, I mean, I should continue practicing this. Well, yeah, you mean, I, but I should warm up really well before <laughs> my race actually starts. Well, we're staying on a lake at the Airbnb. Right. I mean, yeah, so you can do some swimming. I'm, I want to do some swimming like the week leading up to it just to get familiar with the area. Cool. I'll, I'll, I'll pace you. Don't worry. All right, cool. Are you going to be in a boat? Maybe. You think, wait, do I need to be in a boat to go as fast as you go? I mean, I don't know. Are you a good swimmer? I like to think so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. define good. Define good. I wouldn't What's say it sounds like you. the longest you've sw you have ever swam without a breast? Without a, like standing up to rest? Yeah. Uh, we want to do about yards. You want to do yards? I was just gonna say like, duration, but oh, I mean, like there was a, a couple swims I would do when I was in New Hampshire that were probably like, you know, a couple hundred yards and, and swimming, you know, uh, without being able to touch for, you know, could go for 15, 20 minutes, maybe at least. Right. Not bad, but maybe I don't know. I haven't. That's been a it's been a minute. I swam today in a river. I didn't touch the ground for like ten minutes. 
That's cool. After work. Yeah, so maybe. Yeah, just, I'm sure I can figure I, it out. You probably, I mean, I'm the threat of drowning is the threat of drowning is always a good motivator. So, so. Yeah. <laughs> you can think uh, about it like that. Yeah. So that's all completely non-work stuff. Uh, so oh yeah. When the project ended, I didn't. There wasn't uh, something else to immediately jump on, which has worked out well because I could easily go on vacation. And what I um, what I've done for July. Um, July and August, and I did it also in June, um, was this partnership explorer role that was paying me kind of half of my normal rate to spend rough, well, actually, no, a third of my normal rate to spend roughly a half of my time exploring partnerships, uh, for the ready. So I've been doing that for a while now. It actually technically ends tomorrow, at least in its current form. So figuring out kind of how that work will move forward and whether or not I will, will be doing it is something that I'm immediately uh, working on it for the immediate future. And then um, in the past couple of weeks, some client opportunities have picked up. I'm going to be uh, project stewarding a halftime transformation project um, for a company um, in actually they're kind of everywhere. So it doesn't really matter where they, where they are um, for five months and um, be working with my colleague, Sharon, which is cool. I've wanted to work with her for a long time. She's been at the ready for, for a long time. And then um, if we get the signature on the contract that we think we're going to get, I'll be leading another halftime project for the same kind of five-month duration with um, a company that is primarily on the West Coast. I don't know if I'll have to travel a lot for it, but that will hopefully be kind of my whole docket of client facing uh work if if that second thing actually goes through there's there's a bunch of like small stuff that i'm doing as well like i was just in new york for a couple of days delivering a workshop um for this really small project that we think has the potential to become quite quite large so if that were to go then i would probably be involved in that in some way so it was a relatively quiet ish summer for me but it's picking up pretty quickly to being quite quite busy again is that the natural ebb and flow of your guys' work? Do you feel like summers are slow? There's definitely a seasonality to it. Summers are slower. It's harder to sell work through the summer. I mean, sometimes we have projects that will go through the summer, but selling something new in the summer is really, really hard. Things definitely pick up in the fall. I mean, it's the holiday thing. Um, it's also kind of the budgeting cycle. Sometimes there's money uh, that needs to be spent by the end of the year. Um, mm-hmm. People are looking to to look find ways to do that, so that helps us. Um, so yeah, definitely coming out of the slow period and hopefully picking up uh, some steam. That's uh, so that sounds like a busy fall winter. I feel like that was three projects that you could potentially be on. Yeah, it's it's, it's definitely one through January. Hopefully, a second one. Um, both what we call kind of halftime projects, which are supposed to represent roughly half of my time, and then that third one, if it were to go, um, I'd have to figure out kind of how what role I would play on that because I obviously wouldn't be able to do a full fifty percent on that. Plus, I'm probably going to continue a bunch of this partnership stuff that I've been working on for the past couple of months because it's certainly not done. And there are a few kind of high potential things that I don't want to let die. So I'll definitely be holding that uh, as well. So yeah, it'll be, it'll be pretty busy, but I'm feeling pretty two people. About it. Just be, just be two people instead of one. Just be two people. Okay. Yeah. So it sounds like you got two people's worth of work yeah. and just do that. That's what I try to do at the farm sometimes. 
I mean, I spent people. a good chunk of time at the ready the last few years trying to do that, uh, and it pretty quickly <laughs> led to burnout. So, uh, that's part of that's part of the farming. That. That's the farming cycle, baby. We call that. That's that's why you hope there's winter because you're gonna get burnt out, and you gotta rekindle that flame over the winter. Remember that yeah. you liked it for some reason. In yeah. spring, you're excited to be outside in warm weather again, and then you start again. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess, yeah, I don't, we don't really have that maybe summers, but I don't know. I mean, also encouraging burnout. is not necessarily a good thing. I wouldn't say like, yeah, go, you know, find your natural burnout rhythm. <laughs> not what you want. That's true. Um, That's true. I will say at this farm is definitely the least burnt out I've ever felt in a farming season. So yeah, enough people to lean on. And, you know, yeah. it turns out if you, uh, run a farm, like a legitimate business and, take care of your employees and give them PTO and, uh, you know, uh, create a system where if one person's out of town, not everything goes to, goes to hell. Uh, people yeah. feel better, a lot better. Yeah. It's pretty, that works. it's pretty crazy. I mean, I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do on a farm and it's been many years coming, I think for them. And I think they would say they still have a long way to go, but it is pretty crazy. Like just the dramatic range of farming and farms I've been on from like, you know, starting off at like, being paid under the table somewhere to doing, you know, to paying myself $12 an hour at a farm where I was working 70 hours a week, but was only reporting the 40 that I was making or, you know, the four, like 40 of it, things like that. And being like, Oh, it's nice to be at this point. It's like a real, a real company, you know? <laughs> so yeah, there's something to be said for that for sure. So, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, anything else interesting going on? Dude, we didn't check in. We didn't like introduce ourselves. Hey, everyone. This is uh, Fields of Work, <laughs> podcast about work. Uh, but two brothers, they do the podcast. Um, one brother's name is Sam. That's this brother. The other brother's name is Max. And that's mm-hmm. my brother. Yeah. I'm the consultant. You didn't need that, though. No. People didn't need that. They no. knew. They could just you tell. check in? Do you want to check in real quick? I don't like check out. Right. Uh, we, I mean, we do closing rounds at the end of meetings, usually, if we have time. Maybe we should do a closing round. Yeah. What do you, you got a closing round question? Uh, yeah, let's do uh, what um, What are you looking forward to this weekend? Looking forward to this weekend. I think usually this is, this is troublesome because we always just uh, go down rabbit holes when we start talking to each other about non-work related things, uh, at least when it comes to check-ins. But this weekend, honestly, we don't have many plans, which is great. I'm excited to sleep that said storm that – uh, caused me almost no sleep plus some new neighbors that have been uh, less than good na- neighbors has meant that I've slept like three to four hours a night for many nights in a row. So I'm excited wow. to sleep, sleep good. Uh, I also think we're going to maybe go to this like fall festival thing at Blake Cidery over in Armada uh, called Cider Days. Um, but that's it. But yeah, I'm excited to sleep and just like hang out. I think we have perfect weather. It's going to be like 72. Which is the the dream. It is the perfect number. It's going to be a dream. It's going to be a dream weekend after what has been kind of like a hellish week. So I'm pretty stoked. That sounds pretty great. What about about you? Um, Since I'm like three, three and a half, four weeks out from my race, this is a pretty heavy training week. It's supposed to be a series of like race rehearsals, which just means like roughly doing the distance of each of the sports. So I did that with the swim today, Saturday, I have to do a 56 mile bike ride followed by like a 30 minute run. And then Sunday I have to do like a two hour run. 
Uh, so that's going to be my main thing this weekend. And I'm going to try to do those early in the morning so I can just chill the rest of each day with my feet up and read a book or play a video game or something. Emily's going to be out of town for at least Friday night, Saturday. So, you know, I'll probably get pretty crazy. Order a pizza, play Baldur's Gate. I can't play Baldur's Gate yet. It's not out on PlayStation, but I'll, I'll wow. be very close to what you just proposed. <laughs> That sounds like a pretty good. That sounds like a pretty good weekend. Yes, we didn't, even, unless, we didn't even talk. Oh, go ahead. And well, unless I have debilitating diarrhea from the sex swim, <laughs> Sam. You know what? I, I would say normally I love a good podcast who can bring things full circle. That in that case, I did not That's want. I, it. I really tied a bow on that. You did tie a bow on that. Well, in that case, I think it's we've got nothing else to say. Bow. What were you going to say? It was unrelated. I, it would be a new tangent off the bow, and you've tied it all up. I feel like I can't. Oh. Uh, but do we really want to end on a poop a poop bow? Yeah, for us, I think that's about. I think that describes our podcast, Sam. <laughs> that's that's fine. I'll Pile tell you. I'll tell shit you. With a with a ribbon tied on it. That's fine. Mm-hmm. If that's if that's what you think, that's fine. We can roll with that. I think we're gonna roll with that. I, I can tell you whatever I was gonna tell you off air. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Bye, everyone. Thanks for hanging Bye. out with us in this particularly unhinged episode. Yeah, I apologize for the things we said. I don't. (laughs) See ya.